0: Welcome to episode 787 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Righto, team, welcome along to episode 787 of I Am Talk with Coach John Houston, Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate?
1: I'm pretty good, Bevan. Pretty good.
0: you yeah, have to come back to the studios next week. I know. Oh, going to level two lockdown in Christchurch, team. Pretty excited about that. Uh, I Am Talk is proudly brought to you by? Our patron partners. And we've got profile design. You go profile-design.com for hydration, wheels, storage, aero bars, stems, handlebars. They do it all.
1: I do. And the Magic Five for custom fitted swimming goggles. So check them out, the magic5.com. Haven't used yes. those for a few weeks. So I'll be back in the pool probably on Friday. So looking forward to that.
0: No, that's true. And also World Triathlon store where you can get your IM Talk gear and just look at you go to imtalk.me, click on store, and you can get some of that cool gear. I actually well, I went for a bike ride that way, John. Did the all Cooper's knob had nice. my I had my I am talk gear on. I was feeling pretty cool about myself. Very good. And if you want to become a patron and support the show and go to a draw to win a prize from one of these cool companies, just go to www.iamtalk.me and go to support the show. And so these people are a few people who have John.
1: Nicholas, the Hitch Pocock. we got John N. Tier Weir. I don't know that what that no, one's about. You came up with that one, Bevan. I was thinking that's a stupid one. Oh, you we're in Tear. That. No, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> Come so, on John, so John, Weir and Tear yeah. uh, Geth, Geth, uh, Gethin, Hannibal, Hitman, Hopkin
0: Nice, and then we've got Hamish I never hit the wall That's good as well I'm that sure I good. came up with that one good. <laughs> uh, This week's show guys We've got some news We've got a hot topic We have got a couple of great interviews
1: we have. So this is following on from the awesome Collins Cup um, the weekend before last. So we're going to talk to Emma Pallant-Brown and also Jackie Herring. So they both had victories in their matchups and were pretty dominant.
0: Now, before we end the news, I do have to talk about Collins Cup as in um, regards of it being a spectacle. Because I have a guy who I'm trying to do an Ironman right now. And he's 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 a very busy person, doesn't get much time to watch the sport and stuff. But he watched the Collins Cup and he said, I don't know what was happening. Mm-hmm. And, and, and to me, that's a problem, you know. Like, I've and I'm not going to talk about Super League because John hasn't watched Super League and he knows the result. Um, but I've just literally watched, finished watching Super League as we got on, and Super League is just by far the best product out there. It is so such a good spectacle. And if I try, if a guy who's doing an I Man watches Collins Cup and doesn't know what the heck's happening, that's a problem, I
1: think. Yeah. We'll go into that when we get to the Collins Cup section that I've conveniently put in our show notes.
0: Oh, there you go. Uh, Challenge right happened over the weekend, and when I first saw the results, I was like, OMG, this sport is changing. But then I didn't actually read that the bike was a little bit short.
1: However, we should be going holy balls in terms of Ann Haug's performance. I know. So... Uh, her time was insanely fast, and it's such a shame they had a shortened bike course, um, which was, was, was advertised beforehand. It was about 10K. They had yeah. roadworks um, so that, that everyone knew that going in. Um, she swam 52, bike 414, which doesn't really count, and then ran a 243.54, which is Christ. a new course record, and went 753.48. So, to put that in perspective, Laura Siddle was second, and she was basically half an 30, hour behind. Yeah. <laughs> so that was a, a, it was a dojo domination, but against some, some good quality field. Now, when I checked, Laura Siddell has been there um, many, many times to rope and her time of 4.24.40 on the bike was around about 20, 20 to 25 minutes slower than what she normally does. So she normally okay. rides a 4.45-ish, plus or minus a couple of minutes. So if you add on 20 minutes and how's time, you're still looking at you know, 8 15 ish. And yeah. that would have been the world's fastest time beating Chrissy Wellington's time. So it is amazing time. So Anne Haug took that out. Real shame we didn't get to see. The uh, 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 uh,
0: 243, how about we talk about that? it's mm, so, it uh,
1: freakish. Chrissy, Re- Chrissy Wellington went a 2.44 there, so a course record against the, the best, well, the fastest athlete we've ever seen at Iron Distance Racing. And then when you look at the, the boys' sides, there was equally some really, a couple of amazingly fast runs, a new course record on the men's side. However, um, Anne Haug were, only got outran by two boys. <laughs> so, you, you know, put that uh, Braden Curry, like he didn't have a great race, but he went 251. Um, Andreas Dright, so he blew out, he went 307. But yeah, there's, there's plenty of runs in the 240s, but she outran all the guys except two. So, so that's soft the, and hard.
0: the fact you ride 10k less, can you give that some credit for the fast? I know, I know it doesn't seem like it, but you have ridden 10k less,
1: yeah, minuscule. I think, uh, not that I was there, the conditions looked absolutely fantastic and i imagine and i didn't have a thermometer to find out what the temperature was but when you're racing in september versus oh, july cooler, you know yeah. road is, is typically pretty hot not all the time but it's normally hot uh versus now you know the weather's cooling off so i'd say those two factors combined would have helped but i'd say the weather would have been a bigger bigger contributor than the less than 10ks on the bike so, so it's, so, it's uh, top three how- females Oh, Anhag first, Laura Siddle second. And that was a great race by Laura Siddle. It's the first time she's broken three hours on the marathon, from what I can see. So she ran a 258. Now Laura is typically more around a 305 runner. So she had a good battle and she had to run down Vanella Langridge and only beat her by a minute and a half. Uh, So Vanella Langridge was in third and probably, and then Chloe Lane was fourth, and Sarah Crowley fifth.
0: In the men's race, you picked you picked Langer the week too early.
1: He heard, and he's just going to that that in the, his, that guy's face. Pick, it, pick me for the Collins Cup, and I'll show you that I'm going to just fire up when you least expect me to. So Patrick Langer uh, had a great race as well, 47.28.8 in the swim, uh, 3.50 on the bike, 2.38.30 when he's 11 minutes ahead to still run a 2.38.30 is impressive, 7.19.19. So likewise uh, with the females race with Anhaug, you know, you add on, say, 20 minutes onto that and he's gone 7.38, uh, 7.38, 7.39, which is uh, one of the fastest times you've ever seen there and one of the fastest times of all time as well. Very impressive.
0: Hey, well, i tell you about Germans. I know, know rote normally gets a more of a, a bigger field because the time of the year and they t- probably normally chase a bigger field. They often pay bigger parents' fee. But top five Germans...
1: Yeah, Niels Filmholden second, the previous winner. Uh good to see him back racing. Uh close race um, between from, from there down for the next three, we're all within three minutes. And Felix Heinstel ran a 23540, which Jeez. is a new course record and is one of the fastest times I've ever seen in a iron distance race. And actually, I'll go and consult Torsten's try rating if I can find top 10 ratings and let's have a look at the fastest men of all time.
0: Here we go. Yeah, I've got a question for you, John. How long is it going to be before we see a sub-230 marathon?
1: That's a very good question, Bevan.
0: You know, like, because yeah, there's been about three stages of speed increases. There was a, there, when they first went sub-8 and it sat there forever. And when we first started the podcast, I was like, man, they're just not getting any faster, you know, and then and then probably around Crowe probably took it to the next level, didn't he? You know, mm-hmm. And then we've just, in this last kind of five years, we've just seen another speed increase, both females and males. It's absolutely, the speeds we're seeing nowadays are ridiculous. And, you know, you know because technology, you always say a bike's going to get better, but the run speeds are just getting ridiculous as well.
1: Yeah. So looking at the, the on the PTO, I'm loving the PTO stats on their website. So the, that's actually the fastest runtime ever. ever in an Ironman.
0: Huh.
1: Wow. Awesome. Uh, the fastest run prior to that was Tulsa earlier this year, which was Denny Chevrolet. Uh, and Ben Hoffman was second of a 236, Patrick Langer um, earlier this year in a 236 as well. So, holy so to Christ see a sub 230
0: is probably still another five, 10 years away, isn't yeah.
1: it? Yeah. But that, but yeah, that's uh, insane. I'm just waiting for the uh, woman's one to load. And the woman's side fastest run splits there. Christian Leopold went. 241.57 Ironman UK in 2011 and Chrissy Wellington went 244.35 in 2011 challenge right so that run by um, hey, was the second fastest run of all time
0: great stuff Love it. I just love seeing Tracey just smash it and it's absolutely awesome. Uh, we also had Man Switzerland. We had another dojo domination. If you don't know what dojo domination is, it's an old thing from the show. Uh, basically, if, if someone wins by 20 minutes in an Man, it's an official dojo domination. Do we have it for a 70.3? Mm, not really, but
1: if you went by more than 10 minutes, let's say 10 minutes and seventy three.
0: So uh, Daniela Reef just showed her class. She didn't really perform at the Collins Cup, but we understand that she was a bit sick at that time. So obviously feeling a bit better today. Going into Switzerland, pulls off a 8.32 with a 39 swim, a 4.43 bike, and then a 3.05 run, which isn't a fast run, um, but still won by over 36 minutes.
1: That's impressive. The swim was clearly... Uh not just a little bit short, but well short. So there may well have been a a reason for that because the guys were swimming 38s as well. But yeah, to win, you know, it's not the biggest um, quality field there, but to win by 36 minutes is pretty impressive. Uh, It was not so... Bigger, bigger gaps on the men's side. Um, Jan van Berkel and Joe Skipper had a bit of a running tussle as they did in Tulsa earlier this year. Uh, Joe Skipper won't be happy about coming a second to Jan van Berkel because he called him out earlier in the year and said he was sitting in on the bike at Tulsa <laughs> and not doing the work. Uh, so, Joe Skipper and uh, Jan van Berkel, they Managed to get a gap on the bike or, you know, attacked. Um, and they weren't first off the bike, but they came off the bike together. Uh, it looked like a pretty funky course, quite up and down. Joe Skipper said he was pretty happy with his performance. Uh, he did run a 239.35, but Jan van Berkel ran 237.41 for a, ended up being you know, a minute and a half victory over Joe Skipper with Rudy Wild, who's been around for donkey's years, uh, still hanging in there and he got third. So that's the first time I'm pretty sure they've run this I mean switch. Switzerland on the new course. Um, previously, it was always held in Zurich, but now they've gone up to, I think it's Thurn. Um, so, so a new course, So, course, records don't really mean too much. Hopefully, next year, this one will be a little more accurate. Top well, three
0: females, John?
1: Top three females. First was Daniela Reef, Second was Petra Schwiller, And third was Christian Leopold. And that Christian Leopold was the one who I just mentioned before. He the fastest. fastest run yeah. split.
0: Okay, coming up this weekend, we've got the World Triathlon Long Distance Champs happening in Challenge Almea.
1: And to to show how much credit, uh, it's different this year, but how much credit World Triathlon give to this uh, event, it's not even on their homepage of their website, Um, but it's on, it's basically Challenge Elmira, which has got the tag of the World Long Distance Tri Champs this year. That's not going to mean too much for age groupers or for pros in terms of actually winning a title, but I'm sure it means a bit more prize money for the pro race.
0: Uh, John's IT update. Now, you don't want to talk about the results because you haven't actually seen it yourself, but we hit Super League. I've just finished watching the men's race before we actually got on to do the call today. Um, I just, I've got it right. I just think, I won't talk about the result, but if if you want to watch awesome triathlon and a really interesting spectacle with lots of little dynamics, uh, I, I didn't watch the whole thing, so I kind of don't necessarily understand how they're doing the team stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but but it seemed like it was something influencing the race. It was another thing to talk about at least um, but of all the products out there to me it's by far the best product.
1: Yeah and it's, uh, it's short enough that you can really get engaged with it um, so I'm looking forward to watching it in about one hour's time. Um, they move on this weekend to the next round which I think is in Munich so it's four weeks in a row and one of the things I like about it is I can actually go and Watch it, and now it's time. I know the winners, but I'm still looking forward to watching it because I don't really know how it all panned out. Whereas, yeah. look like the Collins Cup and an Ironman race, kind of once you know the results, I don't know. It's not so much that could change. I'm probably more yeah. watching an Ironman once you you know who wins. you are oh, okay, that takes the excitement out of it for me. So that looks like they're doing a great job. super League. next round coming up. Um, another bit of uh, I haven't changed it this week. It's not ITU update anymore. It's World Triathlon update. There was a positive drugs yeah, test Russian. for an athlete, for a Russian. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? And who would have thought this? Because I used to watch this guy. He, he's, uh, he's been around for quite a long time, Alexander Berkinkov. And I used to watch him. He's uh, racing a lot in Bevan Doherty's era, sort of that, um, you know, more in the sort of mid, you know, around two, 210 to 215, maybe a little bit earlier. Watching him and this other Russian dude, who I think also got recently suspended, and they just used to cane it week in, week out. And they were the most unathlet- unathletic looking couple that I've ever seen doing really, really well consistently week after week. And I'm like, how are these guys backing it up? And now this explains it. So really not. At that
0: time, were you suspicious? Because Russian, yeah, unfortunately, just don't have a very good reputation when it comes to cheating mm. um, with the drugs, at least. Um, did you, were you suspicious of that at that time? Absolutely. Okay. And yeah. would, did, you know, would they delivered, but were they, what kind of level did they deliver to?
1: Oh, they were on the podium. Oh, you know? okay. Uh, you know, they were, they were right up there. Not consistently winning or anything like that, but they were right up there. And this guy, particularly, Hankoff. I mean, the drugs give you uh, an advantage for sure. Um, but it's a little bit like, you know, you're watching Lionel Sanders run and you're going, how can you run that fast when you look so uh, ungainly? But he, he does it. And I'm not for the, not for one second casting any aspersions on Lionel Sanders, but it's kind of, you look at that and you go, how are you going so quick? And this answers a question for um, for Bukankov.
0: One of the things that you hear from the guys who do the drugs is, sure there's a, a little bit of a speed advantage, but it's more just the ability to get up and do it again and again and again. It's mm-hmm. more just, you know, the body to recover, to be able to train at a level which then gives you that next level of speed. Um, well, to me, it's like if I'm a drug cheat, not that I'd ever be a drug cheat, but if I'm at 34 and my career is pretty much over, maybe I'll pull back then,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, yeah. because now, not that, you know, you may have had your suspic- suspicions beforehand, but now you kind of look at his whole career and it's tainted. I don't know, you know, maybe <laughs> these people probably aren't the most ethical people. So anyway, that's a bit disappointing in the sport. John, let's, let's have a look at uh, this week's discussion. So what we're going to talk about is what were the changes you'd like to see the Collins Cup? Now, John, you need to go first, because I'm going to sneeze.
1: Okay, uh, Mick Simpson's given me a bit of a kick in the nuts. He says, uh, John Newsom style rant about John Newsome. Behave, <laughs> John. That's gold. I'm so Britain doesn't Britain uh, didn't decide to leave the Europe. A small proportion of people decided that we should leave the Europe. Mick, I'm taking the case of that. A small proportion... No, it's democracy. It's democracy is 51%, so you can kick me in the nuts, but hey, that's factually incorrect. Um, however, where I did get it wrong is Norway aren't an EU country. In fact, there are 44 countries in Europe that only have 28 member states of the EU. So um, who are those 16 countries going to race for? I've listened to every episode and don't think you annoy me more with uh, this one. Sort out your geography. Sounds um, like you annoy him a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so Mick, I'm asking all the pros uh, the, the question that we've interviewed, all the ones from the European team, if they mind. And most of them said, no, nah, not too bothered if we're part of the European team or uh, part of um, internationals. So I say to keep things more interesting, put the uk into the international yeah i do think
0: they've got to find a bit of a balance that makes it more competitive mm. but you know and in and, and different areas have different you know if we have gone, maybe 2000s you know international would have been pretty strong around there mm. you know so it's 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 hard okay so tim thompson has got other than the providing easy access to the live stream the mobile app was crap needs to have a live score card card uh options to watch whatever you want to watch and lots of other athlete and race data
1: Vicky Jones is also kicking me in the nuts, at, uh, clarifying that UK is uh, part of the Europe just because they're not part of uh, the European Union with the, the EU. Uh, Raymond Malig, learn from Super League or race eight-man teams all at the same time like in cycling for a full-distance draft legal and showcase every technology uh, in there and make every metric available in race coverage. Your team time trial would be, um, would be interesting. Haven't thought
0: thought about that one. It would be interesting, wouldn't it? Uh, Ross, Wayne Ross got lead up videos were great. Good to see professionals given a chance to promote themselves. Uh, Promised a lot of tech, but delivered little. Uh, Better production would help. Why show shots of flag waving at the finish line when athletes are still on the course? I do agree with that. Uh, And why can't we have basic things like banners running on screen showing the time gaps in each match? Overall, seven out of 10.
1: Mark White, a bit of access to TV coverage. Why don't you have pay-per-view like Challenge Daytona? Um, so I think it was net it was broadcast pretty extensively, but I'm only looking at that from a Kiwi's perspective. Um, but we seem to be getting emails every day going, it's going to be broadcast here, it's going to be broadcast yeah. there, it's going to be broadcast there. But they didn't have it on uh, on YouTube or, or as they said on on Facebook.
0: That's not true. On the app, it was on the app.
1: Was it? Okay, there you go. Yeah, because that's where I watched it. Hmm, okay
0: yeah so now i watch it live uh now that's based in new zealand but i'm assuming if you had the app you could watch it so uh lynette uh latani has got here more split screens to watch multiple races
1: justin dugan uh reverse the start order so six goes first and group 12 goes seventh why is that i'm not quite sure
0: Luke Park has got pay packet bonuses uh, on their finish order times over the final 18 places. A period some athletes just showed up for the payment, not informed to race. Yep, that's definitely something we've talked about.
1: Mark White, better ex- I've just uh, said that. Uh, Peter Colson, I'd like to see it turned into an enduro race over the same total distance. Um, so you basically go no, 1K crazy. swim, 40K bike, 10K run, 1K swim, 40K bike, 10K run. Um, and it'll be okay in a, in a where you could do a non-wetsuit swim, but I'm not quite sure if they could have done that there or not.
0: Well, I like the idea, but in theory, we were confused with the amount of races that were happening at one time anyway. <laughs> True. You know, if you yeah. kind of have like three of those things happening for each race, then you've got like bloody 40 races you've got to watch. Um, Gavin Rogers got here, split the swim bike run, and for comparison, there's a happening gaps between athletes, and the passes as they happen, more coverage of the individual races. I miss lots of T1s and T2s in the individual races, more split screen stuff like we saw the team managers have, knowing the fastest splits as they happened, not just on not on the app.
1: Sam Latham, an extra couple of teams. Uh, so you could have like Europe, uh, USA, um, Northern and Southern Hemisphere, uh, and then maybe having different distances, like do a sprint, Olympic, half or full. Might get <laughs> a little confusing, but yep. Cool. I'll do quickly through
0: Steve Williams and Peter Colson here. So, Steve Williams has got red button, like coverage option, which I imagine is like Sky and it has that when you're watching, you can watch one player. Um, but Peter Colson's got, after thinking about this for a few days, I'd like to see the team countries change a little bit. He's saying it should be USA and international, Commonwealth countries, and then Europe. This will reduce the powerhouse of Europe and lift the other two slightly.
1: I, I, I know what everybody's saying about trying to keep things equal, but yeah, I think yes, one thing yes. Charles Adamo always said, was USA kind of need to be their own identity for, to get that USA ranking and marketing. Yeah. Um, uh, swim, swim, ride, run, maybe split it over a week. Matches one and seven on day one. Matches two and eight on day two. Um, something like a cycling stage race. It was a lot to watch, hours and hours. Also, what others have said about more times and data on the screen.
0: Vicky Joes, overall I love the event but the coverage was not great. In the UK we could only watch it via Eurosport and while I don't mind paying I do object to the frequent and long advert breaks. The commentary team was good but the product, production quality wasn't. Background noise, mics being left on while others talking about technical issues. Other than that split screens, more metrics, more footage of the overall race. The pros all seemed to love it though and it was great to watch every athlete give it their all. So Meredith
1: says uh, have a uh, best of mixed relay where the top swim bike run for each team are involved. Uh, and then another one, Jess uh, Shell Green says, Get rid of Leggett. I felt sorry for Paul Leggett, but uh, Phil Leggett, not Paul Leggett, um, because he, yeah, I don't know, he got thrown under the bus.
0: Why? Because Gary Smith's got no feel like it. a more professional venue with shorter transitions. No grass in the run. Yeah, the grass was a bit, a bit interesting. A little bit basic. More spectators. Much better market, uh, market and marsh, marked and marshaled on the bike. Accurate and regular timing. Better camera work. Better data <laughs> projection overall. Much better mic management. Much more professional. He wasn't there, people. Overall, this is a good start. If they can keep it at.
1: Craig Kirkwood uh, is the last one. I'll do COVID protocols. Um, so if you haven't heard, uh, several athletes have gone positive with COVID at the event. And uh, one, I know Katie Zavira's husband, I think got stuck over there, but there is, um, yeah, not great. It was sort of Team America, got but uh, got wiped out by that.
0: Okay, I'll finish with uh, Francesca Stafford's got not a high priority as some of the other suggestions above, split screens, distance, and so on, but the app was super basic. Just an overview of the weekend timelines and a link to the YouTube feed would have been great if they had all machines and GPS tracking pacing for each athlete. John, your thoughts?
1: I think we gave most of our thoughts last week. So, I mean, obviously the coverage, that was um, it was good, but it wasn't great. It wasn't what they delivered. But it wasn't what they sort of built it up to be. The racing was awesome. I think you could tweak the format a bit um, to, to change it up a bit. I thought Joe, some of Joe, the athlete's suggestions we've had have been really good. Like Joe Skipper had a bunch of good suggestions around how to sort of change the prize um, purse structure to, to make that a bit more interesting. And yeah, I think just first year, this has never been tried before. So we've got to give them a bit of a break. Tried something completely different. And yeah, I just think it, it needs tweaking. Coverage needs to be quite a bit better, but I'm still thinking it was... Uh, I was I was still watching it from start to finish.
0: I've, I've Okay, the cynic in me says, is this a product that is survivable or how it is? You know, how, long, how much do you reckon they put into this, 10 mil? Uh,
1: well, there was $2.5 million in, I don't think 10, but it was $2.5 million in prize appearances. Uh, and then you've got to think it was at least a million in terms of production, but then you've got all the other overheads. So, yeah, I'd say closer to 5 to 10. <laughs>
0: Okay, I, I wouldn't know. Um, nice. I, I'm not sure it's a product yet. Like, and even you said wait to see the coverage on the, the hour package. So I actually watched the hour, hour package they put out. Same thing. It was not exciting. It was a pretty boring watch. And um, and especially as I just think of just watching Super League right then, like I, I knew the result in Super League and I was tense watching it. You know, so I think that the the product does need to be improved quite dramatically for it to be in a sustainable. You know, if we, if we talk about what we've talked about with Charles is that, you know, everyday people will be interested in what's happening in this series. I'm not quite sure if this is the product yet. Now, again, day one, and I'm really excited that the race, the athletes are loving it. And uh, But I do think the problem needs to be some quite major tweaks. I think the app, and because what you can do on live tv is a bit different um and and even in the post coverage the you know the our wrap-up show they could probably do some things with data and stuff like that afterwards but the app should be complementary to the viewing so you know like because obviously they the production can't give you that much of that many races at any time so the app can ultimately hopefully give you the option to split between screens like the red button but really it should just be a big data feast. You know, like as you're looking at the app, you can just basically, you could almost have like an iPad or another laptop screen next to you while you're watching the race. And so you can just really geek out on the race. Now, I think that was the intention. And unfortunately, I think everything went belly up, but uh, I'm just not quite sure yet. And especially because as I was saying earlier, a friend of mine who I'm trying to do an Ironman, um, he, he was like, I didn't really get it. And you know, if he's not getting it, we're not getting it to Joe Public. So I think the, you know, I'm excited about where this this organisation and stuff's going. I'm not quite sure if this is the product yet. So that's, that's my let's thought,
1: remember, Sean. long course triathlon is not, not exciting. Yeah, but but
0: this but, that's, but like, that's not an excuse, John, because the problem right. is they're trying to say we're trying to make a TV product. Mm. You know, so if you're saying, well, it's long, well, then give up, mm. because you know, like if if we're saying you know, like ultimately that, that long course is never an interesting live view. Well, I don't know if that's true because people watch Tour de France,
2: mm-hmm. people
0: watch golf. So long sports can be popular. Uh, they've just got to find the right format. And, and yeah, one, and hey, I, I want them to win this. So I want them to be successful. But if we want to make a TV product, it's got to have some some spunk to it. And I didn't see that last week. So that's, that's my thoughts on it. Jonbo, let's get into some interviews.
1: Hold on, what about this week's
0: discussion? Oh, this week's discussion. There are so many formats of triathlon right now. Super League, Ironman 7.3, World Triathlon, Sub 7 and 8, Collins Cup and many more. Does the diversity of our sport stop our sport getting consistent mainstream media coverage? Hmm, that's a good question. That's
1: what I thought. <laughs> there we go. Okay, John, who are we going to interview first? First up, we've got Emma Pallant-Brown.
0: Okay, here we go. Here she is right now.
1: Wood. Okay, guys, so uh, if you're watching the Collins Cup, one race race or match that didn't get a huge amount of coverage and probably should have been was uh, match number five in the females, which was Emma Pallant-Brown versus Chelsea Sedaro and Sarah Crowley. So sort of little bits and pieces, but not much. And we're going to have a chat to Emma Pallant-Brown about her
3: race. So welcome along to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Um, First question I've got is um, what's travel like at the moment? You know, most people are not able to travel or, or, you know, uh, it's fairly limited. What's it like for you going back and forth from US to Europe? And is it a big drama?
3: um yeah so I think um the hardest was trying to get out of South Africa so um yeah the PTO has actually been massive in um getting us that um exemption to travel um but the only place it was still too hard to get into Europe so yeah we've made the big trip across to America and actually spent like coming up to three and a half months here um
1: South Africa now your sort of main home base
3: Yes, yeah. So yeah, being based out of Johannesburg now. um, And um, so obviously, traveling on a UK visa, I only get three months in the States. So I kind of needed this trip um, out of the country to reset um, that three months. Um, So yeah, it hasn't been too bad. Again, just putting it down to the fact that I could get a vaccine here. Um, so just had to show my vaccination card um, and then also that exemption letter from the PTO um, and yeah, it's, it's kind of nice they kind of then just ask you lots of questions about triathlon and wave you through Nice, a,
1: a random question that I've got I remember when the whole world was in full lockdown and there was a Zwift racing series and things like that going on I seem to recall watching a bit of that and did you have some sort of party room going on when you were doing I remember flashing <laughs> lights and all this sort of stuff going on
3: yeah yeah you remember it well we kind of um probably our poor neighbors um yeah they probably thought we were having a rave every uh tuesday or wednesday night but um yeah i just found that like it really got me in that kind of deep dark racing uh kind of mode and was just another way to push like i love listening to my music um anyway in like hard sessions on the trainer so we thought yeah if we turn it into kind of a nightclub kind of vibe it's it's yeah it seemed to work <laughs>
1: very cool right so you got you got out yourself over the Collins Cup, um, when they were doing the captain's picks or, or prior to that, did you have anybody in particular you you kind of really wanted to get lined up for and, and then following on from that, once you did lo- know your lineup, up um, how, how were you feeling about it?
3: Yeah, so um, Justin Metzler had tagged me in a little thing uh, saying that he wanted uh, to see me, Ginny and Jackie Herring uh, go mm-hmm. head-to-head, which we kind of had a little warm-up preview of that in Des Moines um, and yeah, I, I fancied that one. I kind of I guess I was hoping with the swim being my weakest, I was hoping to be in a wave with at least someone I could swim with. Um, And cause yeah, I didn't really want to lead the swim out or be (laughs) miles behind on the swim. Um, So I guess that was, that was kind of my first, I'm not too bothered about biking and running on my own, but yeah, the swim definitely was handy to have girls of like a similar ability.
1: Well, that looked uh, like it worked out really well for you because uh, all three of you yeah. came out of the swim together. So, so who, was, who was doing the work? You're up against Chelsea Sedaro and Sarah Crowley. Who was uh, on the front and who was hanging on for dear life?
3: Yeah, I think we we had. Um, so Sarah, like I know Sarah is normally a little bit of a stronger swimmer than me. And, and she she was happy to say that she she would uh, go hard for it. But it was actually Chelsea that ended up going out the hardest. And yeah, I definitely didn't want to be sitting in front having both of them. I knew I couldn't drop them for my feet. So I didn't, I didn't want to be leading the way. Um, so, yeah, Chelsea took took the swim lead and um, I sat on her feet and Sarah sat on my feet. And, and a
1: lot of the matches really got spread out, but yours seemed to stay together. I'm not sure what happened with Sarah Crowley. We didn't see a lot of the bike coverage, but... Um... By looking at the splits, you know you definitely came off the bike very close to Chelsea Sedaro. I'm not sure if you came out of transition together. So going into the run, you know, Chelsea Sedaro, a lot of people won't know much about her. And I picked you to win this um, match, which I got right. But I didn't really do my research on Chelsea Sedaro. And uh, since I've gone back and looked at her running credentials, you probably know her better than I. Um, what were you thinking coming off the bike? Because she's put in some good run performances and, and you're a top runner yourself.
3: Yeah I kind of know her from uh, I was in a team with her last year and um, yeah coming from a run background I kind of uh, I I knew that 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 was her strength and um, the bike course is pretty flat so um, I tried to go out pretty hard and and just see if um, anyone would stay with me Um, and Chelsea yeah every turnaround I could see her there so I thought okay you can't burn yourself out on the bike like we're definitely going to come off together so um, yeah, I would say I saved a little bit in the tank, and then um, on the run we we left transition together, and um, I I probably went a little bit harder a little bit earlier just to make sure that we weren't running together, <laughs> just mm-hmm. to get a gap from the start. Did you feel like you
1: had it in the bag, sort of going through the run, or you, and and were you how hard were you pushing to try to get to that two minute barrier? Because you you got one minute thirteen on Chelsea, but were you were you pushing to try to get it out to two minutes?
3: Yeah, I think it was a kind of um, I guess it was a bit of an unknown because I I was um, I've been training in Boulder and my running had been going really well. And then uh, I did a couple of races um, just beforehand and, and felt a little bit tired going into it. And, and with the jet lag and everything in the week leading up. I, I didn't doubt my run, but I was just yeah, just thinking, OK, this this could be a little bit harder than than uh, normal um but I felt good and I felt quite relaxed and um definitely towards the end as uh I could hear people shouting kind of time splits I was trying to get that extra because yeah you know an extra half a point can make all the difference um so I was trying to squeeze it for that two minutes but yeah I, I do I think she she was definitely um it was more like a minute at the end
1: and um Yeah, we've spoken to a couple of the guys about their experiences during the week and and they were sort of raving about it. You know, Joe Skipper in particular. I guess. You've, you've come from sort of an athletics background where I guess you may have been away with international teams in the past and maybe had a bit more of a feel for that sort of team culture compared to, say, some individuals like, you know, Joe Skipper and, and so on, who've, who've more come into the sport as triathletes and, and maybe haven't had that team culture for you. So maybe just talk about the, the week and the, the whole experience compared to, say, maybe going to a, a major championships with, a, with a say, a, a GB um, representative team.
3: Yeah, it's, it's it's funny that you say that. That's exactly what I'm, I've been saying in the interviews. It's reminded me and taken me back so much to those younger years, um, especially as a junior, like cross-country runner and on the track and field GB teams. Um, where you are battling the same women like you're fighting hard um, for a spot in the team. And then when you make that championship, you're then traveling, especially on the cross country. You've got six girls that you were racing hard um, against to make the team. And then suddenly your teammates. And yeah, that just reminded me so much of this and kind of Team Europe. um, Obviously, you see the girls a lot, um, but it's very different, like being in the same tent just before the start of a race. And just having each other around in the lead up to it, it's kind of, I feel like it's made the sport a little bit more human. Like we've got to know each other even more. And um, there's just been so much, I just think there was a really good atmosphere. There was, yeah, the girls in Europe really get on well and um, a lot of joking around and just, I think there was that like support for each other. Um, and yeah, I just, I, I really enjoyed the experience. I think I definitely, um yeah, I, I definitely would say that it, it's been one of the best races that I've gone to.
1: Um, and what did you sort of make of the how it all sort of works? You know, uh, I guess more probably from the the. the the prize money point of view, because, you know, it was more of a, an appearance fee and, and you were a late call up, um, you know, you would have made pretty much any other team straight away, but the Europeans are so strong. Um, you know, you had the, by the look of it, the third fastest time overall, yet you would not have been paid the same amount as the, the top ranked athletes. So, um, do you have did you like the way it was structured or do you have have you given it much thought in, in terms of suggestions you'll put to the PTO on, on how it maybe could be structured in a in a different way?
3: Yeah, I think that it's one of those things of um, I think because we all knew well in advance that yeah, you were gonna get paid on your ranking and, and it was up to you to get your ranking as high as possible. And, and I've done a lot of racing and like this year's points have been good for me, but I was a little bit let down by my 2019 points. Um, and I think it's one of those, um, because it is a team event, I think it's it actually the way that they, they did it was pretty smart because yeah, it's hard to say um, if you were gonna go by people's times um, I just think it's hard to always have that level playing field and some obviously matches were more competitive than others. And I think, yeah, it was probably um, probably quite a good way to do it for this race. But I think if, yeah, this this team, I think there's a real place for this team race once a year. And then I think there's a place for other races in and around that like major championships where it is everyone racing everyone nice um
1: and I asked Joe Skipper the same question you know um Europe's decided to to do the old Brexit and pull out of Europe um and the international team could probably do with the UK <laughs> athletes yeah. and, and their team uh, granted some of them had amazing performances but the European team you know there's probably another on the female side probably another five um women who could come in there and be still amazingly strong um yeah. do you, would you like to see Europe sort of stay with the UK or do you does it bother you if you if the UK sort of ended up being um, lumped in with the internationals?
3: Yeah, I think it's, it's, again, like I've heard some really like fun ideas. Someone was saying there should be a power nation that on the women's side whatever the um the the top um number of athletes ranked in like the top 50 or the top 30 they should be a, a nation on their own other people are nice. saying why don't we have a commonwealth team instead like that would make it more even um and yeah that's the first one I've heard about putting the UK in internationals but I'm I'm game for it all I think yeah it's it's just a really fun concept and if you can mix it up and make the teams as competitive as possible with each other i think it just leads to even more exciting races
1: nice uh and i guess for you um all eyes on 70.3 world champs from here on in or have you got much else on your agenda for this season
3: yeah so um yeah i'm just got back to boulder and gonna do my final preps here then yeah the big one st george and then finally fly home. We've been away for a long time. Um, I'm going to do a couple of bike races and hopefully some run races um, for a couple of months back in South Africa, um, kind of count that as a bit of downtime and then train back up for, I'm kind of hoping there'll be some um, races announced kind of December time mm. um, and might head across. Uh, I think there's an American, um, the the clash, Uh, a clash race in Daytona. yeah um so yeah if that if that happens maybe go to that um yeah definitely gonna eye up some december racing hopefully bahrain's back on bahrain 70.3 i'd love to do that
1: nice are you pretty much done with ironman we've seen you do ironman so i remember interviewing you once i think in in hawaii um you're sort of now just focusing mainly on middle distance
3: yeah i think um, I just found that, and for some people, like, they can do it really well. They can combine the two events. I think as someone that loves to race a lot, it's, for me, I think it affects the Ironman was having a negative effect on my 70.3. And I'm definitely not closing the door, like, completely to it. I just, when I do um, decide to do it again, I kind of want to be able to put all into that. And at the moment, I still feel like I've got a bit more, of me for 70.3 and um yeah i just love those those years that are full of lots of racing which i feel like i can back up my 70.3s um kind of yeah week in week out very
1: good uh and if people want to follow you um how can they do that and, and anything else you want to get out there for any listeners
3: um yeah we've got a little uh YouTube channel um called the Peak Team uh channel and uh yeah we just started with videos kind of something that yeah people have been asking us to show a bit more of so we're just um putting the first ones of those up and probably most active on instagram uh m palant. that is yeah my my handle um yeah but i love i love it when people are interactive and and always write back to people so yeah if there's ever any questions or anything then always reach out
1: take down lionel sanders on youtube that's your mission
3: yeah, <laughs> yeah, that would be a tough one. <laughs>
1: awesome. Thanks for your time. We know you've just been traveling back. So uh, have a good uh, build up to 70.3 worlds.
3: And we look forward to seeing you kick ass over there. Oh, amazing. Thank you so much.
0: That was Emma Pellet. Next up, we've got Jackie Hearing on the show.
1: Righto, team. Uh, Collins Cup was last weekend and I think I said on last week's show, the the gold star performance of the day for me went to Jackie Herring, who we've got on the line now. So welcome back to the show. Second time this year, Jackie.
2: Hey, yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. Glad to be back. Glad I could give you a good performance to make it back on here
0: oh you
1: delivered you delivered you certainly did uh now one thing i've got to say is a you delivered in the race but b you delivered on your fantasy picks Uh, you did very very well Uh, i noticed your name pop up there did you happen to lose any friends when you didn't pick them uh in the fantasy picks
2: well, the good thing is I think people had so much other media coming at them in a million directions that maybe they didn't notice. So no, <laughs> no, one's brought it up with me. So hopefully we're all good. <laughs>
1: um, now you, you line up, you're, you're lining up against the current world Ironman champion and how, who's, you know, um, one of the greatest runners, uh, certainly long course and in short course that the sports seen. um. But you, you, you picked yourself against her, which I think is is awesome in terms of your your picks. And you said after the race, you you, you were confident you could win. So, I mean, how much confidence did you have that you could take that race out against uh, Ann Haugen and Jenny Metzler?
2: Well, first off, when I was doing the fantasy picks, I got to my race and I was about to not pick me. <laughs> and then I had to have an actual moment, quite a few moments with myself working through like, wait a minute, I'm... I'm the one racing if I'm not going to pick me. So I had to have quite a personal internal ordeal (laughs) to get actually to picking myself. And then once I, once I worked through all that, um, yeah, then I was actually feeling pretty confident because I had worked out in my head how I thought I could actually win that race and, and, you know, try not to think about anyone's past performances. And I think that was the major thing that I came to is pretty much every single race is a clean slate and it doesn't matter what anyone has done before, because we have all arrived on this day with whatever has happened to us leading up to that day. And, and we're all just going to do our best. And I felt like my training got me in a spot where not sure what she had done, but I felt like I was in my best shape and ready to, um, hopefully beat those ladies. this
0: this race was a little bit different to your traditional triathlon race so did you approach it any differently in how you came into the race how you're going to think your tactics uh yeah what was the difference between this and what was your approach leading into it
2: i i really like this format i think it many things about it do suit me especially not being a front pack swimmer it's always I don't know. It's always been a bit of a battle to try and know if it's going to be possible to catch the front of the race, um, especially in Ironman distance with that shorter draft zone. It's almost nearly impossible to catch that front group because of the bike packs. But in this type of scenario, um, I didn't really prepare differently, except that mentally I felt as if it was just a lot more possible to get to the front quickly because I knew how Jeannie swam and I knew that. I could ride up to her, and then I was thinking she might be up for working together on the bike, which luckily she was, and so that kind of worked out nicely for us.
1: What was, the, what was the swim like? Because we, we we saw bits and pieces of all the different races. Um, I don't recall seeing too much of your swim, but there was a, about a 90-second spread between uh, Jenny Metzler out first, um, you were about 35 seconds down, and then it was about nearly another minute back to Ann Howe. Did you guys just split up straight away and it was just a, a solo swim?
2: That's pretty funny. Um, our swim was hilarious. I watched barely any of the coverage. I pretty much have only watched through most of the, you know, maybe like five matches of the swim, but our swim start looks ridiculous because of the camera. You can't tell what was happening, but what happened was we all dove in, of course, me way slower than the other two, but we, you know, we're swimming together for a few strokes and I was just going to like settle right behind Jeannie for as long as I could. And all of a sudden she started very fast towards the completely wrong buoy she was headed (laughs) she so she was headed towards the final buoy so like on our far right it was the closest buoy but it was the last buoy at the end of the loop and she started going like balls out to that buoy and i was (laughs) like uh i looked up and i kind of figured out what they were doing and i don't like swimming much extra because I'm not in shape for a very long swim. So I decided to just head straight to the buoy we were meant to go to. And so it looks on camera like I pop my head up and I'm like pointed to the buoy and the guy in the boat was like, yeah. So I just kept swimming straight to that buoy. And eventually they kind of just connected back to me. And it was around that point where I got back on Jeannie's feet for just a little bit and I think at that point, Annie kind of got dropped. Yeah. So after that, it was mostly a solo activity. It just was a little bit funny at the start.
0: <laughs> what about regards to the bike? You know, the bike, we didn't see a huge amount of you on the bike. So what was it like actually out there on the bike on the day?
2: On the day, it started off um, really nice for us. And once we got out on the highway, um, it was kind of twisty, turvy, kind of cruddy roads through town. And then once you got on the highway, it was like the nicest, smoothest, most beautiful road you can imagine where you didn't have to look up. You you knew you weren't going to run into any single crack in the road. So you could just hunker down. You don't have to look around. You can just look at the line and ride your bike. But then about halfway through, it's turned into a bit of a rainstorm. So it got a little windy, got a little rainy and I don't know, got a little tough, um, tough going for a little bit with the rain, but, and then on the way in, of course, that is where we saw some, some of the people crashing because there's a whole bunch of white paint, white painted lines on the roads coming into town and it got pretty slick.
1: Do you, do you know how many people actually crashed? Because we, we saw Lionel Sanders crash. We saw um, Holly Lawrence crash. Uh, and I know Kyle Smith crashed. Did, was, do you know of any others or not?
2: I think those are the people that went down. I know just from talking to other people and myself included, um, we all had to go pretty slow. And And I know I had at that same roundabout Holly crashed at there was these huge white lines, like exactly where you had to turn. And I also got pretty squirrely and rode oh. like halfway up onto that roundabout. Um, and just was like, there, I was just saying like, Oh no, Oh no. I thought for sure I was going down. Cause it was like a hard one to save. It was just so slick. And if you weren't going, if you were going too quick, which probably she was going faster than me heading into the corner. Um, yeah, it would have been impossible to, to save that. So oh. I think a lot of people got squirrely like that. It's such a horrible feeling when you Oh, it was. Got- and oh. then you just got you just gotta go so slow the rest of the way because you figure surely just taking it cautious is better than actually going down. Mm. So uh, from a um, perspective coming
1: off the bike, you know a, a lot of the the matches were a bit spread out, but yours was going to be a head to head battle, which was uh, which was cool to see. So you're coming off the bike with Jenny Metzler, who's you know she's been one of the form runners so far in 70.3s this year, putting out some awesome run splits. Yourself included, you've been doing some amazing running as well, um, and you had a really nice gap back to Anne How. So what's going through your mind as you're coming off the bike, and and no, you know you've done. Quite a few races by the look of it against Jenny. You know what was your sort of strategy in in terms of dealing with her, who you know is a, a similar sort of runner to yourself?
2: Yeah, the funny thing was, you know, we worked together on the bike, and I I kept laughing to myself, like, of course we would agree to work together on the bike because we both always back our run. Like we know that we have a good run, so like we have the same exact race plan. So we're getting off the bike and yeah, since I've raced her several times this year, I know kind of how she does it. And she goes out extremely hard out of transition. She runs, I don't, I didn't look at exactly, but I swear we're running like under 530 pace out of the gates. She just like goes after it. And, and I've done that before with her and like dialed it back because I'm like, we are going way too fast. But in this occasion, I knew that that's how she did it. So I'm like, all right, I'm going with her no matter what. I don't care how fast we're running. I'm just going to roll with her. And it was really hard. Uh, So I went with her and then finally I had to make her it known that, that she was not dropping me. So I had to go right up next to her and make sure she knew I was there. And so I did that. And then we kind of settled into some sort of rhythm that, um, kind of freaked me out a couple of times because we would become 100% in sync. Yeah. Our feet, our arms, our breathing, wow. it was like no words were being exchanged. We were just in the groove together and and it felt kind of cool and then sometimes I was like, no, nah, this is this is too much. I I had to like tuck in behind her so um yeah, it was good. I had confidence, you know, I she's beat me a few times, I beat her a couple times, so I knew it was going to be a, a pretty good battle. And um, yeah, I was having a lot of conversations in my head um, during the activity, like, Oh, I'd be fine if she beat me. And then yeah. like, it was kind of like the two voices, you know, what's the moment
0: like when you're, you know, cause that is such a, you're on the edge, aren't you? And you're kind of, you're kind of hoping you hold on long enough that they snap before you snap. Uh, when, when you kind of realize you are putting a gap on her, what does it feel like?
2: Well, it was, it felt very, um, very nervous, very unsure. I oh, okay. felt like, so the moments before that, you know, there was only like two, maybe three aid stations for us that whole entire run. And we came up towards an aid station and we were just running zero words had been exchanged. It was around mile six. And I kind of looked at her and this is when I, it occurred to me like what the situation was i turned to her in like a pretty normal voice i said hey want me to grab you a water and then i w- <laughs> realized all right i think i need to like try to do something here because i shouldn't be able to talk and you know shouldn't be able to yeah. talk yeah. so i would yeah when i started pulling away the difference between running a 540 something and a 530 something actually felt really hard it felt a lot harder that i thought i had made a mistake and and gone too early and i i didn't i don't look back at all so i thought surely she was going to catch back up to me so pretty much i was running very scared and terrified the rest of the way (laughs) uh,
1: the, the run was um i imagine it would have been just a weird feeling out there because the of what we saw on the run there was zero spectators for majority of it i don't know if you had a camera with you the whole time and and a cyclist but it must have been like almost being out on a training run from from what we could see
2: yeah a training run but without music so it was actually really lonely you just had to like yeah you really didn't have much going on you just had to kind of be with yourself and um yeah i guess try and trick yourself in certain ways just to keep going and, and get there as quickly as possible. Were
0: you getting information from, from out in the course, what was actually happening in the course? Like I know, cause on the, they did all the big promotion saying you guys are going to have earphones and, and it seemed like a lot of the tech wasn't necessarily working on the day. So when you're out there in the course, were you getting much feedback around what was happening in the race?
2: Zero. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. That, that was something I think that, that the PTO has said that, they're not, I, am not sure who they hired to, to manage all that. Um, but I've heard that, that they're just really not, it didn't go as they wanted it to go. They wanted to be, you know, as like they promoted, like showing all our heart rate, showing all our power and having comms and none of the communication ended up working possibly because of the like thunderstorms. Mm. It might've got all wet and fried. Um, So I think there was some issues there. So yeah, we weren't getting any information. And it's funny because, and maybe some people were, but I certainly wasn't. Um, Like I had no clue. I would have had no clue if Annie was gaining on me or not. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I I really didn't know. I just assumed she probably was because I don't know, you would think. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah. I don't look at my watch, so I didn't actually have any real clue how fast I was running. I just felt like I was working hard. So well, you're certainly um, running fast. You had the, fa- I'm pretty <laughs> sure I'd looked through and you had the
1: fastest run split out of all the females on the day. Uh, you beat Anne Haug's time by about 25 seconds, which is incredible. So how does it feel? You know, you've had a few days to reflect now, you know, you, a, you won your match. You beat the current world champion. You set uh, the fastest run split of the day. Um, how does it sort of feel and and how satisfied were you compared to say winning a 70.3?
2: Well, it feels good. It was a good, um, I don't know, good confidence booster and good kind of reflection of the work I've been doing. I feel like I've been training well and training pretty hard and it's nice to be able to showcase that against all the fastest people and, and put out a an effort that I that I feel proud of, so so on that regards it feels good and I mean yeah that compared to winning a seventy point three I guess I get it it feels about equivalent mm-hmm. I'd suppose minus you know I don't you don't get any I didn't no sponsors really have any like bonuses or anything set up with Colin's cup yet because mm. it's such a brand new thing. So it doesn't quite have that same, um, actual with that, reward.
0: <laughs> with, with, with the, you know, because you are there with all the, the best of the best really, isn't it? It's, it's one day, you know, a bit like Kona where everyone turns up and how important was for you just kind of, to, to kind of deliver on the day with your peers around you. Was that?
2: Yeah, that is something that matters to me. So that, that did feel important, you know, I, as somebody who's kind of on a different path than a lot of these ladies, you know, with two kids and kind of like doing, doing this for a a while, but then kind of having a break to have a couple kids and now coming back. I feel like I don't, I don't know. I don't really feel like I have to prove myself to anyone, but there is certain that like, feel like I'm part of the club type of feeling. So Mm. I think I did maybe, Some respect from some people, and and also just being there, getting to know some of these, you know, people from all over the world. A lot of which, you know, we don't get to race or actually hang out with and chat with that often. It was it was really a cool experience. Does it does it also shift
0: how you see your own potential, or is it just another race?
2: Yeah, it's kind of just another race. (laughs) No, 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 no. no, no, because it's.
0: No, because sometimes you know you have a race and you, I don't know maybe you do a little bit better than you think you would, or you know, and sometimes that you know, I'm just curious,
2: yeah.
1: Um, now, any changes you'd like to see the, to the format over there? You know, um, you saw we sort of talked about you know, there's definitely some areas in terms of splits and what we see from a spectator's point of view, but um, overall, it was there, is there any change to the format you'd like to see? Well,
2: I I'm not really running the show, obviously, but I think, you know, I think it's something that will evolve over time. I think in the short amount of, I don't know, coverage that I have had the chance to watch so far, it seems to me that there's actually just a lot going on and it was hard to follow each match because you had to watch the start of the next match. Mm -hmm. And so you kind of lose track a lot of, of a lot of that stuff going on. So I don't know. If there's a way to do, I don't know, like more people per match. If you did like six ladies, like we could do teams of two, like two USAs versus two internationals, then you would kind of have a teammate to work with and that could be pretty strategic as well. And I think that would be kind of fun to, to have somebody maybe paired with, you know, whatever strengths and weaknesses can work with each other, but I think, I think they'll do some playing around with the format and maybe numbers of athletes and, and timing and, and all that stuff.
1: Uh, So for you, the rest of the season, is it just all eyes on 70.3 world champs? I see the, the uh, start lists have been, been announced.
2: Oh, has it? Yeah. I don't look at any of that stuff. Um, (laughs) you're too busy. (laughs) Yeah. Literally like I've done nothing. The chances of me actually getting any race recap up is also impossible. So, um, yeah, all eyes on 70.3 worlds. That's been the goal since the beginning of the year and kind of trained through Alcatraz and honestly didn't rest too much for Collins cup. So that's optimistic. Um, for for worlds and I've been doing a lot of hills I run pretty much all my long runs on on insanely hilly uh cross-country ski trails so I've been pretty focused on on this activity and I'm feeling good about it I feel optimistic so yeah that's it when you think about next
0: year how much how much desire do you have to be in the Collins Cup team again
2: a lot of desire. It was awesome. Honestly, it was, it was a really cool experience and getting to be on a team with, with Katie and Taylor, and just to hear their completely different experiences in sport and get to kind of witness, you know, both, both of them kind of being in a new element. And it was just really cool. And it felt like really special to be a part of and i think especially moving towards kind of you know i've only got a few years probably left racing and i just want to race with the fastest people and at the highest level possible
1: awesome love your work any any, anything you want (laughs) anything uh that you've got going on that you want to get out there
2: no this is all i have going on I'm just trying to race triathlon and <laughs> kids in triathlon. <laughs> yeah, like if anyone wants to come babysit for me, you can show up.
1: There you go. <laughs> training, training tips for babysit. That's a good trade.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can stroller run. You can. I mean, there's plenty of things. Yeah.
1: Nice. Awesome. All the best for 70.3 world champs. I absolutely loved your performance. It was brilliant. So nice work, and uh, yeah, we'll see you on the start line in a few weeks' time. All right. Thank you, guys.
0: Okay, John, your thoughts on both those interviews?
1: Uh, some good ideas here by two athletes that absolutely crushed it. Um, just, I think Jackie Herring. I think I think all the American females probably got more respect. I don't know if they didn't have a huge amount of respect, but I didn't pick many of them to do particularly well. Um, but they really took it to took it to the athletes out there. So really impressed to see how Jackie Herring went and Emma Pallant Brown. You know, she was captain's captain's pick, so for her to get up, wasn't surprising that she got up and won, but, geez, it's bloody hard to make that European team.
0: Yeah, it really was, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, John, let's go into
1: Wanger
0: of the Week, we- and I'm going to go number, I'm going to say, I think it's 81 is the number I'm going to pick.
1: 81, i tell you what, I know all the top three. No, no, there. no,
0: 83, 83. Oh, okay. I'd already picked it. 83. Good old Martin Hill from Sydney, New South Wales, Australia. I tell you what, he's got a good hurt photo.
1: He said 13 hours and 16 minutes of training, 10 activities, no swimming because uh, I presume all the pools are locked down in Sydney, uh, 11 hours and one minutes on the bike, two hours, 15 minutes running. Uh, so, yeah, for those in the rest of the world who don't know, Australia are in a, a lockdown as well, uh, trying to get on top of COVID. So I imagine he's been... Swifting. I was about to say. I imagine he's been swifting, and he has swift, swift, swift. Uh, so making the most of being inside. Very impressive. Had a very low period, sort of through the middle part of last I'm year. I'm thinking
0: either so injured or was it lockdown?
1: Probably lockdown. I'd imagine. So from May through to July, minimal activity. Uh, had a really big summer last year, and have been cranking it up since the start of September, which is probably about when lockdown. Started over there. So the last few weeks, averaging six rides per week, uh for an average of 211 kilometers. Nice work.
0: Yeah. I got a question, John. How many KOMs has he got? He's got any koms he's got a couple running KOMs. Yeah. Nice. I tell Love you his what,
1: move. as long as bike ride out does mine, he did 319, 312.9 kilometers. How long did that take him? Just clicking on that right now, if I can. It's my longest ride I've got on there is 302 kilometers. His longest ride, he went from Sydney down to Wollongong, kind of did a did a loop. It was called the JT Epic, and he did that in June 2020. Did uh, 11 hours and five minutes moving time, 4,000 meters of elevation average speed of 28.2 kilometers that's pretty that's, solid for a ride pretty, that's amazing so i don't know if that was a race or not but that's a bloody long ride long ride it's a bloody solid average speed and there's a lot of elevation
0: okay john let's go question oh i've seen his name was martin
1: martin hill
0: you're a wanger of, of the week, of the week questions and answers okay john we've got a question here from skip peanut or bone crusher Slade. we've got a few nicknames for this guy because that's how good he is uh this may or may not be a small point of discussion if not no worries for years i've had an idea many triathlons begin at the very early morning sometimes at first light or shortly before sunrise my idea is to put a blinking light on top of the turning boys on the swim this would be hard to, would this be hard to do would this be legal under current triathlon rules like world triathlon association or imn would this even be helpful to athletes for citing your thoughts
1: I don't think it'd be hard to do at all to get some little lights to put on top of their battery-powered mm. lights. Um, yeah, even if they were waterproof, you're probably going to be okay if you carefully put them on there. Um, I d- haven't checked the rules and so on, but I checked with someone who does know most of that stuff, and she said don't think there's any problem um, with that. Uh, I will say that, like, it, um, what was the race? An Embra man in the in France, which is that's really early in the morning, and uh, and it is still quite dark they used to have a fire out there on the course i believe and they had fire flashes, i don't know whether you, like, surely you couldn't have followed a fire but anyway they, they definitely have flashing lights over there so i don't think it's a problem at all but i think the main consideration you've got to think about when you're doing very early morning starts and in any triathons actually is the sun strike issue so for race directors or if you're planning a swim um that's a big consideration with the early morning starts. So you, you know, you can have all the flashing lights you want on the boys if you look looking straight into the sun you're not going to see them so i'd say uh, skip go for it get those lights i really don't think you're going to be breaking any rules
0: yeah it's interesting i'm just thinking about when i said to tapo we used to get sun in tapo didn't you
1: uh i don't recall having blinded by the sun up in Taupo. Oh. It's definitely an early morning start. It's definitely dark when you're heading down the water. Yeah. And the sun is,
0: sun is only it's just. Awesome, because and on top of all, they have the the Maori people will be coming in on the waka, and you know, and you it'll be quite steamy on the on the lake, and you know, you'd hear the kind of the the, the kind of tribal calls of the Maori people coming in on the waka. I know oh, it was just that eerie awesome. presence. Yeah, yeah it's, it's awesome. really special. Yeah, pretty awesome stuff. Okay, John, let's talk about our sponsors. These are the guys who sponsor us to give gifts to you guys for people who are patrons. So let's John will go so first.
1: Uh, profile design so profile-design.com check them out for wheels aero bars storage um, stems handlebars hydration systems and i will say if you're doing long course triathlon and you haven't got a front bottle sort of hydration system set up get one. It makes, aerodynamically, it makes a difference in terms of you getting quicker from A to B. It means you can carry a, a lot more of your own nutrition um, and you can just be topping up from out on the road. It's convenient, means you're going to stay down in the aero position for as long as possible and um, you can mount your, um, your bike computer a little bit more in front of your face so you can get a, a more of a, an easier visual on that. So check it out, go to profile-design.com and you've got Different sort, different sort of bottle systems, all different sorts of aero bars. So you will be able to find something um, that suits you. And likewise, if you're in need of any aero bars or anything like that, the cool thing with the profile design um, setup is it's pretty pretty um, compatible with, with any sort of aero bar or any sort of handlebar setup that you've got. So check them out at profile-design.com.
0: And the other one that we've got two more we're going to quickly talk about, but first is the Magic Five. These are custom fit swimming goggles, and you can get check them out at the Magic Five, and the number is the number five, not the word five.com. They've got custom goggles. Now you've actually got some Jonbo.
1: I have, yes. Yeah. So if you've if you've sort of ever had any ill fitting or leaky goggles, these are the goggles for you. They are they are seriously custom designed. You do a facial re, facial scan, and then the, the goggles are I guess three D printed to to match your face. Um, I know when we initially discussed these I was thinking these are going to be really expensive Um, but they've got a special on at the moment and I'm not sure what it is in the different currencies around the world but in New Zealand for New Zealanders 200 bucks you get three pairs of goggles um, and that's only a fraction more than what you pay for a good pair of goggles and these are good goggles so so for you guys in America it's probably about 50 bucks uh, US a pair um, and they're used by Jan Fredino. so if they're good enough for him they're good enough for you. So check it out at the Mad magic5.com um, and today bevan we have a winner of some magic 5 goggles oh back
0: it up oh i, I ruined with this guy
1: <laughs> it wasn't rigged i, I <laughs> use, I use ran, random.org for my uh whenever i do any prize draws and we have every, all our patrons listed so patrons uh, you're all in this draw um ian white lightning hersey who yeah. resides over on the big island these days uh lovely guy you got yourself a pair of magic five goggles. And if anybody else wants to get amongst that, we're going to be doing plenty of draws of goggles um, throughout the year. Uh, Just join up via iamtalk.me, support the shows. Coming out every week, going to Kona again when we can, doing interviews all over the place and also be in the draw to win.
0: Good times, rock and roll. Okay, guys, just um remember one of our, other part, our patron partners is the World Triathlon store. They've got amazing gear, guys. If you want, you can get I am talk gear there. But while you do check out other gear, they've got just got some really the nice thing about their gear is it's just really well made, beautiful designs, but also really well made. And as I was saying, I went out with my IM Talk gear on the other day and um, you know, check it out. It's got some really good stuff. And their website is
1: World cool. Triathlon Store, but you can access the am Talk gear through talk.me click on store, and you can go through get your Iron Talk gear. And as Bevan said, they also have other stuff on there if you want to get country gear. So World Triathlon Store are part of the World Triathlon. And so you can get, if you want to get a, a kit with a Kiwi flag on it or the American flag, you can get that there as well.
0: So then also, John, we do want to say thank you to a few of our patrons. You can go first, Bo.
1: Michael, call me Sir Turner.
0: Nice. We've got Nathan Mighty Mole Regan.
1: And Paul the Tiger Munro.
0: Now, if you do want to become a patron, go to www.iontalk.me. Just go on the podcast section, go support the show, go through the process. Basically, what you're doing is supporting us and what we do each week. Also getting us to Kona every couple of years. And also you go in the draw to win some of these cool prizes that we'll be giving out throughout the year. So thank you to all those people who are patrons. It really means a lot. If you also want to get to the show emailed to you, front page of that website down the bottom, you can put your information in. For coaching, coachjohnhuston.com. For me, Bevan James Isles for my podcast, Uh For other cool content, send it to at gmail.com. Jombo, what's your goss?
1: What's my goss. Getting out of lockdown this week, as Bevan said earlier, which is good, or partially getting out of lockdown. I should have been race directing on Sunday. I was supposed to be organizing a duathlon, which was a bit of a shame, but luckily we postponed it and hopefully we'll be able to kick that off in a week and a half's time. So that'd be good.
0: Do you think, do you think, you're, so um, this isn't a big race, but for races that are bigger, do you, what do you think is going to happen? With, because I've got a couple of people on training right now. I've got a lady on training for a 100k old train. She's like, She's in that deep end of the training and the race is like about six, seven weeks away. And it's like, Oh no, you poor thing. Like it's, it's that borderline. Well, we, if you were doing a big race, would you be putting it on?
1: Um, yes, but you've just got to be not creative. Uh, when I creative, yes, you've got to really think it through. So in New Zealand, you're allowed to have groups of 100. Um, and so I previously ran an event, uh, the Sea to Sky Challenge, and we had about, maybe 300 or so on that, and you've just got to really separate everything out, have a socially distance, and have groups of 100 that aren't going to cross over. So you you have to sort of think things through. So um, I guess to answer your question, yes, um, I will probably be running things, um, but if you're an indoor event, which we aren't, I wouldn't, and you couldn't, uh-huh. um, for events where you're going to have lots of crossover um, and you can't have crowds or anything like that. So, yeah, it's a tricky one, tricky one. It's,
0: it's an interesting dynamic for athletes, you know, and, and I know New Zealand's a bit different because we have been locked down and we're kind of going back into lockdowns and out of lockdowns, and I think a lot of countries are more just kind of, let's open up now. But, you know, that added challenge of not knowing if a race is going to happen, you know, when, you, when you're trying to motivate yourself for, like this lady I'm training, she's doing a 100K run. Um, that's a big, you know, it's a massive commitment, and she's committed for like six months, and she's done it, you know, massive, Two days in a row kind of stuff right now. And you just think you, you know, and then there's a chance six weeks from now the race isn't even gonna happen. You know, like it's it's tough.
1: Very tough. Races are still getting cancelled all over the place. So yeah, if it's a big event, Iron Man or something like that, don't think that's happening.
0: No. Yeah. Can you have a goss? I'm-
1: other uh, than that, Bevan, I'd rode the London PRL on Sunday instead of race directing, which is the longest ride on Zwift, 175 Ks in the garage. Um, had some nice company in there, which was good, not in the garage, but on, on Zwift, so I was pretty pleased to tick that one off, uh, don't have to do that again, um, but that being said, a lot of people say, oh, it's a one and done, you only do it once, but really was not that bad, it was was hard to ride 175 Ks, we had a reasonable pace, so I was only on there for five and a half hours, which is long time to be on the trainer um but jeez you get it's it's not as bad as, as what people think once you get into a groove and your little group and you kind of got to concentrate to to, to sort of keep the group together and, or stay with the group. Uh, so time goes by relatively quickly. And if I was training for an Ironman or, again, um, I wouldn't have any qualms about getting on there for, for that length of time again. So Zwift has been, and, and other indoor platforms, have been awesome for indoor training in circumstance when you can't go out, um, whether that be via weather or, or traffic. Um, however, I, well, whilst I was watching, I will say it was not entertaining, but interesting that uh, the winner of the Zwift Academy from a few years ago was named Jay Vine, I think it is. Yeah. Um, he's now on a, on a pro team and he was riding in the Tour of Switzerland, and man, uh, not Tour of Switzerland, the, the Vuelta, which is Tour of uh, Spain. And he had this horrific crash because he went to go and hold on to his team car going at a very high speed on a gentle downhill and he just carked it and just crashed and didn't didn't nearly get run over but man it was a high speed crash um so i thought yeah we can't be on Zwift all the time if you're riding Zwift all the time get outside when you can because you need those bike skills
0: what's your favorite Zwift ride if you know if you had to pick the ride that you love the most what is it
1: Really have one probably the Zwift hilly loop which is just like a 9k circuit but the, I enjoy the most going on doing group rides because then you've got to concentrate to stay with the group um, and so that's probably the aspect not so much a, a route as such but more going on there and we have to concentrate and so on Sunday I was you know five and a half hours I had the Vuelta I had days and days backed up to watch but i was sort of struggling to actually engage and watch it very closely because you have to concentrate to stay with the group so it's not that different to being outside if i had to just ride for five and a half hours by myself on there that would have been a totally different challenge nice nice hmm. there you go ben, what's, happen- for- what's happening for you well well
0: a lot of life's not that exciting i'll say that no. much
1: yeah. but,
0: but i have to say i did love having the All blacks on a sunday night Did you watch the
1: All Blacks? I'm really not engaged in rugby anymore. I I feel like I'm more
0: of a leaguey. I do love my league, but I watch the All Blacks. I watch the All Blacks and I watch like a super final. Mm. Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, I'm just not engaged in them anymore, but uh, good on them for winning. It was just quite nice. It was six o'clock on a Sunday night, a
0: little bit earlier. You know, you're finished by eight. Sadly, I think I've talked about this on the show. Our bedtime's become eight o'clock, John.
1: That is that's pretty early.
0: Yeah, I know. Like eight eight fifteen probably is real realistic. Mm-hmm. And and it's yeah, it's, it's a habit that's not good. <laughs> you know, because it's like you go to bed at eight o'clock. I try to stay up to nine to be a rebel mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I crash yeah. and it's like turned old man. What's all that yeah. about? And other than that, John, mm, you have anything exciting happening. No, when you're stuck at home, there's not much you can do really. I'm I'm kinda of looking forward to just being social again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. I'm a social, social so and no other than that, John. That's pretty much Jimmy.
1: Okay, let's wrap it up. I'm Russ. I in don't train hard.
0: Train smart. Kick